Welcome to episode 5 of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. Can you believe it? They let us do 5 episodes. They let me do 5 episodes of this shit. Anyway, on today's show we have Andy Dowling. The second interview with Andy. Uh, We talk a lot of shit about a lot of shit. And I have a, a review of a show I saw last Thursday. Sidonia Helm and Red B from the basement in Canberra. I hope you stick around, but uh, here's the intro. This is Andy from Lord. You're listening to the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Presented by. Tom Brooks. All metal and mostly all. Alrighty, it's uh, that time of the week again. It's Tuesday. Well, by the time I upload it, it's Tuesday, but by the time I record it, it's actually Monday. Fuck Mondays. Well, I've been up since 4 in the morning, not 4 pm. If I was up at 4 pm, I'd be a lazy fuck. But anyway, uh, first thing I want to chat about today is the, uh, the competition for the Red Bee Ictus Deluxe Edition. I've got one in my hot little hands right now. They're actually quite cool. They're, they're U- on, via USB, but, uh, like, you plug it in, and it's got heaps of photos, uh, the stems if you want to remix any of the tracks. Oh, there's only like three tracks you can read me. They have, uh, tuitions. Tuitions? Is that the word? Either way. They, uh, teach you how to play some of their tracks. And, uh, they got a couple of bonus tracks on there. Yeah, it's really cool. But, uh, yeah, the Red Bay competition had its first wrong answer. And it's only wrong answer so far, so, uh, if you hear this, you know who you are, I emailed you back telling you it was wrong, and you told me shenanigans, but the answer is Katoomba, not Lifko. <laughs> I'm not gonna name and shame you, but you know who you are. But, uh, yeah, if you wanna enter the Red V competition to get a free version of Victus Deluxe, and I will post it to you free of charge. And it's pretty cool. Uh, all you have to do is email me at fullmetallockdown.com. No, sorry. At fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. In the subject line, put Red B Competition. Or Red B Comp. Something to that effect. In the composition area, put down your name. The word answer, and below the word answer, answer the question, where did Red B come from? And that way, you will, your name will go into the hat to win a free USB of Ictus Deluxe. Or the Ictus Deluxe Edition. I will post it to you. If you win, I'll email you back. And I'll get your details, etc., etc., and I'll send it off to you. 
But uh, yeah, check it out if you don't win anyway, because it is a great album. But uh, yeah, as I said in the intro, I'm be reviewing one of their live shows later in the uh, in the show. But uh, yeah, stick around. <laughs> So, uh, what do you all think of my little, uh, jingle thingies in the center of each segment? That one was like a little alien communication type deal thingy. Yeah, I like it, but I don't know if it's going to be my permanent one. I don't think I'm going to have, like, a permanent, this is what I use between segments. I'm going to pick and choose like I did last week. And I'm going to this week. Uh, the one I have been using is a bit uh, too intense. Oh, not really intense. It's just a bit too uh, repetitive. It gets old. Yeah. But uh, right now, I want to talk about my favorite Australian heavy metal magazine. Oh, is it a magazine? Oh, I suppose you can. It's set out exactly the same as a magazine. Uh, but it doesn't print. It doesn't go to print. It's got an editor, photo editor, advertising uh, liaison or editor, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it's got reporters. It's got the whole nine yards. It's called Tranquil Magazine. Uh, issue one of Tranquil Magazine uh, came out in February. No, January. January. No. Fuck. December? Yeah, December last year. Sorry, uh, I came out December last year. It's older than I thought. There you go. Uh, with Dreadnought on the cover. Uh, it was commemorative for the 21st anniversary show or birthday. But uh, yeah, and issue two, uh, which had an interview with yours truly, page one, two. Three, four, page four. I uh, had an interview with yours truly, and uh, I believe I stole the show. Fuck wah. No, I'm just joking. Uh, Guar was on the cover, and there was an awesome interview with uh, who was it? I think it was Odious. Is it is his name pronounced Odious? I don't know. I'm probably going to get an email correcting me. Uh, my email once again is fullmetallockdown at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at facebook forward slash facebook.com forward slash the full metal lo- no forward slash full metal lockdown let me repeat that you can find us at facebook facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown or follow me on twitter and abuse me on twitter with the correct name of Letting Rogua, may he rest in peace. Uh, Tom underscore Roberts, 1989. But anyway, back to Tranquil. Uh, issue 3 had uh, Soundwave on the cover. It had people at Soundwave, the crowd at Soundwave. And the issue was mostly about Soundwave. Because it was, it came out in roughly about February. So... It would have been all about Soundwave. Um, the next issue had, I believe it was Testament. 
Don't quote me on that. I'm just going to double check now. But I think it was Testament. If not, I when I find out, I'll let you know. But it had an interview with the murdering. Most of the members uh, I uh, know and mates with some of them. I I don't know all the members of the band. So I can't say I'm mates with all the members of the band. But, um, sorry, no, it didn't have Testament on the cover. Shit. It had, um, it had, I'm on the website right now, had Vanishing Point on the cover. Shit. There you go. Didn't have Testament in the, uh, in the issue at all. Shit. But uh, the next issue after that, during the tour of Australia, had uh, Crater uh, on the cover, but also had Zach Wild and Death Angel on the cover. Uh, that's the latest issue. I don't know if the new issue is out, probably by their Facebook, but I go on by their website now, download the issues. They're free. It's a free magazine. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website and download it. It's really cool. It's helping Australian metal get out there, pretty much. Uh, but like I said, if you haven't checked out, go to the website, which is uh, tranquilmagazine.com, and have a look. Right now, I wanted to talk about uh, my love for vinyl and CDs, and why I love them more than MP3s. Um, the reason why I do is, uh, I don't know, just let me pull out a CD right now that I have in reach, but I also have on vinyl. Do I have, uh, shoot. Where is my tool? Not my tool as in a wrench. A tool under tar. I couldn't find the actual CD, but I have it on vinyl there. And I have a, uh, a, not a metal album, but I do have an album in my hand. I'm not going to say what it is, but um, let's just say it's not ABBA. Wink. No, it's not ABBA. But, uh, yeah, the reason why I love them is because I can do this. Wait for it. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can open the case. I can take out the booklet, put the case down, and as I'm listening to the music, I can read the booklet, and I can watch, look at the artwork, and listen to the music. It affects every sense except for smell, unless I fart. But it affects every sense that is going on. It affects my sight, affects my touch, affects my uh, hearing, and but it doesn't affect my taste and uh, smell, like I said, unless I fart and taste it. But anyway, uh, yeah, I love vinyl CDs for that reason. Vinyl is almost the same reason, but it, it's like a process listening to vinyl. 
I mean, like, you have to... Sorry, I'm just trying to put my CD away, but the case wasn't shot properly. <laughs> Shit. Don't get that problem with MP3s. <laughs> but, ah. Uh, yeah. Vinyl is awesome because there's a process behind it. You have to get your vinyl record player. You have to get it ready and turn it on. You have to go up to your vinyl and pull it out. Then you have to carefully wipe it down and put it down. You have to make sure your stylus is clear. You put it down and you listen to the record. But halfway through the record, you have to get up and go over and turn it over. And repeat the same process. And then once you're done listening to the record, you walk up to your record player. put your st Lock your stylus in. You grab your record and you put it back into its sleeve and put it back into the cover. Not to mention the artwork is four times the size of a CD. Yeah. But uh, I still love CDs. But um, I do get why MP3s are convenient for the uh, everyday person. But yeah, they're just... I like them. Especially because technically... My podcast is MP3, but yeah, that's the music-wise. It's not the same experience. I can walk down down and listen to my podcast. I mean, I can walk down down and listen to my iPod or my iPhone, and I won't even notice what I'm listening to. But if I was walking downtown with a Walkman. I would notice because we'll be skipping. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I have to sit at home to listen to my records. I have to sit at home to listen to my CDs. And I've always been like that. I don't mean that in, like, a hipster way. And I think when the hipster fad dies out, I'll be like that still. I'll be a fan of CDs and vinyl. Always will be. Hell, I... But that being said, I'm not a fan of, like, tape and 8-track. I don't... I'm not that far into them, into the physical prog. But I love CD and vinyl. Not to mention, you can't get an MP3 signed. Yeah. So, uh, for you kids out there, like, CD, what the hell does that do? That can't fit in my iPod. Or vinyl. Isn't that like a big black CD? Uh, go out, get one, listen to it, enjoy the experience. So right now I want to uh, give a shout out to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Lockdown, and my Twitter which is Tom underscore Roberts 1989 at Tom underscore Roberts 1989. And uh tell you that on our Facebook page, we have a few pictures of shirt designs. And we need to pick one of the four. Uh, by the way, we're at 90 followers on Facebook. And I know there are a few, uh, about 1,500 listeners to this podcast every week. Uh, so, um, if you're hearing me, please go to 
Facebook and search for the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast or put in facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown. You'll find us. Give us a like. Uh, inbox us. Tell us what you want to hear. Uh, yeah. I've already had an inbox and an email to separate people telling me that uh, I'm being very disrespectful when doing the celebrity deaths that I give a fuck about. Um, well, I'm not being disrespectful, and they pointed out, I'm not being disrespectful to the people that have passed away, being disrespectful by saying that celebrities, the other celebrities who have passed away, I don't give a fuck about them. And my reply to that was, well, I don't, so why mention them? Their reply to that was, exactly, so why say I don't give a fuck about them? And my reply was, when did I actually say I don't give a fuck about them? Anyway, getting off that, uh, rest in peace, Jack Brabham. And, uh, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Geiger, or Giga, Geiger, uh, I can't remember his initials, shit, I'm having a brain fart today, people, uh, yeah, like I said, I woke up at, uh, fuck, what time, four in the morning, yeah, it's HR, Geiger, Giga, 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 Fuck, someone, I don't know. Anyway, if you don't know who he is, he uh, designed Alien. Yeah, he did the artwork for Alien. But uh, still the scariest motherfucking horror monster of all time, in my view, anyway. That thing still scares the shit out of me to this date. Uh, legitimately scares the fucking hell out of me. Anyway, uh... Yeah, so uh, go to our Facebook, vote for a shirt, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook. Yeah. We're here on the Formula Lockdown podcast for the uh, entire seven days later. Andy's been on the phone for seven whole days with no one there to talk to. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sitting here starving. I've been I've been holding off on eating until until this part two. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's been ages. I've been out living life, having fun. Andy's been sitting there <laughs> on the phone, <laughs> L- locked up, locked up. <laughs> yeah, this is the second half of the Formula Lockdown uh, interview with uh, Andy Darling from Lord. And, uh, Andy, we're going to start the show off on a question that uh, kept glaring itself to me last week. No, I didn't ask it. No, I kicked myself this entire week while you were stuck there for not asking it. <laughs> uh, where is your favorite venue in Australia to play and why? Jeez, that's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, well, you put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, well, I guess I mean there's probably there's probably two answers because 
I guess I could look at the venues that we would regularly play as far as us as a headline act and, and there's probably venues that we've played uh, as a support band in much larger venues as well. I guess um, from a from a larger venue point of view, we the, probably the best place that we that I've played that I, I really enjoy would, um, would be the Emerald Theatre in Sydney. I mean, obviously... Uh, a larger venue and about two and a half thousand and we played there with Nightwish uh, quite a few years ago and um, that was a sold out sh- sold out show and it was, it was fantastic but um, you know a really good layout that they've got there and it's no matter where you stand from a crowd point of view you can see the stage so for us we had no problems being visible to the crowd and uh, you know really good sound and, and there's great acoustics in the room as well and it's it's just a very visible uh, visible venue from being on stage you can see everyone there and and um, yeah it can be a little bit intimidating but at the same time you can you can interact with with the crowd as well and, and uh, luckily for us we had you know some really good energy uh, playing and I think everyone was pumped up to see Nightwish and we were I think we were a really good fit as an opening band so for that particular night and that and the style of venue it worked out really well for us because we could see everyone and we could feed off their energy and vice versa so it was good um, from a smaller venue or, or a venue that we mid-sized venue that we would play look um, there's probably a couple because I'm just trying to think of uh, of um, you know desperately trying to think of all the venues that we play that and trying to find my best one. But um, look, probably a really good one that I did enjoy and and uh, unfortunately is not around anymore is the East Brunswick Club in Melbourne. Um, we only got to play there once, unfortunately, but um, I really enjoyed the lo- the the layout there and, and it was a nice stage and the sound was really good in there. And that maybe that was credit to the. Uh, the guy at front of house, but um, it, I think overall the, the the layout and the vibe of the place was really cool. And and luckily, for, I mean, luckily for any any band in Australia, and playing in Melbourne's great. And there's a great live culture down there. And you, more or less, most venues in Melbourne, you're going to have a great vibe down there. But um, East Brunswick was just really good. It's a good location, um, and there's a nice little beer garden outside. But there's also a bar in in the same room as the as you know obviously the stage and whatnot so you weren't losing people in another room getting drunk and people could you know get a drink and watch the bands and and there was enough room to still talk and move back a bit and whatnot so it was a it was a really well laid out venue it's just a shame that uh, they they've closed down a couple of years ago now um probably the other venue uh that uh is probably i'm just trying to think uh yeah, you have got me on the spot. Um, probably, probably look not for sound, uh, but I think for location and, and atmosphere is uh, Fowler's in Adelaide. Um, sound wise, can be a bit hit and miss, and you really have to have someone who knows what they're doing in that venue because it's a very odd shape, oddly shaped venue. Um, but um, it's when you've got a really good crowd in there, it's a slightly larger venue. It's fantastic. And, and Adelaide's just a great city to play in for us. So, um, you know, you've got a, a really big bar there that you can, you know, I'll get my wireless and jump up during, during the show and, and play stand on the bar and run along the bar and whatnot. Um, so it's, it's got a good vibe there, good atmosphere, but, um, look, there's a lot of, unfortunately, I guess it's probably a bit of a, a bit of a dark point is that a lot of the great venues that we've played at over the years no longer exist anymore. So, yeah. um, you know, Rosie's in, in Brisbane was fantastic. It was just, it was a very small venue, very low ceiling. Um, but the layout that they had was, was great. Cause they had three rooms where 
uh, it was just a regular club that everyone went to on a Friday night for, for heavy music. So you would have people that would come in to see the bands, but you'd have also have people that come in just listening to like you know a metal DJ and whatnot. But um, you know, it still means that you've got six hundred payers coming through, six seven hundred payers coming through on a Friday night, which is great. And just the energy uh, in that room was just incredible. Having uh, it was a proper stage set up, obviously, with you know, a barricade and whatnot, so you could jump up on the side of the fold backs or on the barricade and whatnot, you could see everyone, everyone's right in your face, really good atmosphere there. But um, unfortunately, that one's not around anymore. But we're actually just, I guess, on the Brisbane note, we're about to play a venue called Crowbar next month, and uh, that's a venue that um, has been around for about a year and a half, two years and I've heard great things about it, but I've never had a chance to play there. So that's one that I'm really looking forward to on the upcoming tour because um, I'm, I've just heard great things. And it's it, it was a shame when Brisbane lost such a good venue, and I'm and uh, it sounds like this venue's taken its spot. So I'm hoping that it'll live up to live up to its uh, to its uh, you know, reputation. It, its reputation. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The reputation of what Rosie's was, but. Um, yeah, look, I mean, and look, another thing is, uh, you know, with the Australian venues, we've had a had a rough run over the last few years. Apart, well, I mean, even Melbourne's been affected a little bit, but not as bad. But uh, uh, a lot of a lot of fantastic venues have shut down over the years, and we've we've really struggled, like every band, to to find a good venue in a good location. You want to play as close to the city as possible, so everyone can get in. Yeah. Um, and you know, you find that a lot of the, the a lot of the inner city suburb, a lot of inner city venues, sorry, are are shutting down now due to you know people living in you know living in apartment buildings next door complaining about noise and unfortunately there's more rights on on residential owners than uh, than you know venue venue owners and whatnot and, uh, which hopefully will change uh, now but uh, yeah so I mean I guess everything's up and you know there's it's like in waves so everything will be up and down and hopefully we'll be will be a, an upswing soon and it's starting to be that in Sydney again I think there'll be a few more venues opening here and I can see Melbourne's having having another revival where there's a lot more rights for for uh, Melbourne venues to have you know uh, less less uh, restrictions on on sound and and licensing and whatnot as well. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be a lot more current venues that I'll be able to rattle off to you in a couple of years' time. <laughs> uh, have you noticed a big difference state to state with the crowds? Like, because uh, uh, Lord are based in uh, Wollongong slash Sydney. Uh, yeah. Have you noticed the difference going to Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane? Uh, as you said before, uh, last week, as you said last week in the interview, uh, Darwin, uh, have you gone to Perth? Yeah, we've been to Perth as well. Perth's yep. really good. Um, yeah, Perth, unfortunately, Perth, I mean, it's cheaper to fly to New Zealand and do a tour there than it is to, to go and play a couple of shows in, in Perth, unfortunately. So oh, we, wow. we try to get over there. We try to get over there once a year anyway to, to, to do some shows over there. But they're really good as well. Um, I think I think nowadays uh, it's it's not as... It's not as different. Um, you don't notice too many different uh, different things when uh, you know with individual crowds in different cities. But a few years ago, you probably would have noticed a lot more. I mean, you know, unfortunately, and, and I'll probably cop a, a bit of flack for it, but Melbourne used to be um, a really a really tough place to play. And and even going down there to see other bands play, you could see that it wasn't just it wasn't just us, you know, potentially sucking or anything like that. Uh, but a lot of, I mean. 
Melbourne's a serious music scene and there's a lot of serious music enthusiasts down there and when they watch a band play, a lot of them would rather stand back with their arms folded and and then take it all in and very judgmental because they're serious about their music and they'd rather do that and and take in the whole show and and critique it than get really drunk and and yell out and run around and and mosh and, and whatnot. Uh, over the years, over the last few years, it's it's gotten a lot better now. And and I mean, we've the last the last few years we played in Melbourne. I mean, it's been a very different different thing. And we've there's a lot more energy in the crowds. And and going down, I've seen a few shows myself, just seeing friends play in in Melbourne. And and you can you can see that it's just a maybe it's a different generation that are coming through now as well. But um, you know, a few years back, it was just it was just a reputation for Melbourne that you know there were there were very, very serious about their music and they weren't here to to mess around and jump around and not take it in, but you know, cross their arms and just uh, and just listen and there, so there wasn't a much wasn't much energy, there wasn't much rapport between uh, the band and, and the crowd as well. So it made it quite difficult and anyone who didn't live in Melbourne uh, always thought, you know, badly of, of anyone from Melbourne because I just thought they're all snobby or, you know, uh, elitist down there. But, um, you know, I mean, we've always had a great fan base down there regardless. So we've never, we've never had any huge problems, but, um, over the last few years, it's been, been great. But, um, you touched on Darwin and we said, uh, said last week, uh, Darwin, it's been, Darwin's great when we went up there and I think a lot of the country places or, or smaller cities, um, and really, I mean, Darwin's just a big town, but, um, they, that they don't get anything up there. So when if you're lucky enough, and this is what I'll probably really encourage other bands to do, is just to play, play somewhere that other bands aren't playing at all. Don't don't wait for other bands to go there, or if you don't assume that a, a place is not worth playing because no one else goes, it's more of a case that people just can't be bothered going and playing somewhere else. Because if you get to a get to an area that doesn't normally get gigs, uh, you'll find that more or less majority of the time. The locals will come out strong, and they will just lap it up. Even if they don't know who you are, they just they just like to see someone from out of town coming in and playing playing some music. And and you'd be surprised at how many metal fans live out in the bush as well. And we've played some. I mean, Darwin was fantastic because we just had. It was luckily for us, it was a licensed all ages gigs. We had a lot of young kids coming in as well, and it was just out of control. It was just really really intense, uh, high energy show and. And luckily for us, we brought plenty of merchandise stuff, so we sold heaps after the show, and and that was fantastic. And I mean, we've we've always sort of really pushed ourselves to try and get to new places. If you know, obviously, if the if the dollar allows, um, just to to get out there and play play to new people and just build make our fan base bigger. But um, you know, Brisbane and Adelaide um, are more or less the same. And I mean, Sydney's been a little bit Sydney as far as crowds go. I mean. Yeah, they're they're just as energetic as everywhere else. But um, I think uh, because we've been affected quite uh, greatly by venues shutting down, our numbers at shows have, have dwindled down over the last couple of years. So it is you have to work a lot harder to get people to come to the show. But once you've got them there, then then you're laughing. So, but um, our biggest our biggest markets at the moment to play are are Adelaide and, and Brisbane. Adelaide especially. Adelaide's just ridiculous and I don't understand why. I mean, when we first started, a Dungeon played there for a few years um, on a, only a, two or three occasions, I think, and, and they did okay, but they always lost money when they went down there, maybe because flights were more expensive at the time. But when um, 
when we started, we, we, it took us a few years to, to get back down there. And when we did, um, it just it just exploded. It just went really well. And we've just got, we've got one of the biggest fan bases in the country in Adelaide. And we just, I mean, really get the best support down there. And, and I don't know, don't know what it is. Maybe it's just, you know, a couple of good venues down there, good location or, or what, but um we're, we're not complaining, and I'm not going to try and think into it too much either. <laughs> uh, a few of my uh, friends that are in a band called Deprivation, they're always yeah, from going... Orange. Yeah, from Orange. Because originally I was from Orange, but I live down on okay. the south coast of New, New South Wales now. But uh, they're always going to Adelaide. They love it out there. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just... Uh, I mean, they, and the I guess the, the even weirder thing for us is that Adelaide's very similar to Brisbane in the sense that um, they've got a lot of death metal bands down there. They've got, it's a lot more extreme metal that's down there. The majority of the bands that do really well from Adelaide are uh, a death death metal style, yeah. um, and 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 even thrash metal as well. Uh, so you know, I mean, maybe maybe the reason why we do okay is because I guess we're a little bit different when we go down there. I'm not sure, but. Um, they just—I mean—they just really lap up live music, and they—they—they they, they come out in numbers, and they have a—they just have a really good time. And I think the—I think the liquor licensing uh, laws down there are a little bit more relaxed than they are in other states. So that's probably a big reason as well. <laughs> They're probably more encouraged to come out and have a good time. Yeah, get sloshed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what is your best or worst experience at a metal show? Like either playing or watching. Uh, is it like a gear failure or is it like a general, like a complete knob that will get on stage and kick your amp or something, which I've seen. I've seen a guy jump on stage and Superman through the kick drum. Uh, <laughs> or is it like surprise awesomeness where someone in the crowd will bring you like a bottle of your favorite drink or something like that <laughs> for free and just go, here you go, take it home, drink it. Yeah, what's your best or worst experience? Uh, well, I guess I'll I'll do best first. I mean, probably, I mean, without sounding too cliche, and I'll I'll try and make it a little bit more unique with my response. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you you get to you get to play different places and and places that you don't normally play or whatnot, and and you see someone that rocks up wearing one of your t-shirts, or or you know, suddenly they're spewing out all the lyrics to a song, and you just look down, and you go, you know, the words better than I do. And, you know, it's, it's, it, you kind of, because I think for us, you know, you sit at home and you listen to your own stuff at all, at all the time and you don't think too much of it. You, you try and take a step back and take it all in, but it's really hard because you're constantly working hard and you're trying to, you're trying to better yourself and whatnot. But when you go out there and you see that people are actually, you know, what you're doing is working and people are connecting to it and they're getting a reaction from it that, you know, it, it, it's kind of it's it's mind blowing. You sort of half the time I end up stuffing up whatever I'm playing or forget where I'm at because I I sort of zone out and just you're looking at a bunch of people just going nuts and singing all the words. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, and look, there's been other funny things where you know people, uh, you know, we'll we'll be uh, you know about to go on stage and, and Mark will get a little bit crazy and ask someone for like eight pints of beer or something like that, just <laughs> thinking that they won't thinking that they won't do it and then suddenly there's eight pints of beer sitting on the side of the stage and, and me yelling out, are you going to share any of that with me? You know, so, I mean, there's, and 
yeah, I mean, just, you know, silly things like, yeah, crowd surfing and, and people, people just having a good time and, and yelling out funny personal jokes and stuff like that that they've seen, you know, Mark and I carrying on about online or, <laughs> or something on our, on our, you know, website or on our Facebook page or whatever like that. So it's, it's good just to have that connection with people. It's just really cool. And, and we've, and I mean, we're, we're all just a bunch of, a bunch of dicks in the, in, in the sense that we just, we're just a bunch of guys that get on stage and have a good time and have a laugh and we're just enjoying it and we're just doing it because we love it. And, you know, I mean, in the end, you know, anyone that connects with it connects with us as well. And we, and they end up becoming friends of the band and we end up always, you know, knowing who they are and, and knowing, recognizing people by face or even better by name when, we're, when our minds are, are clear. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's good. It's good just to have that connection. But, um, Look, as far as a as far as a worst experience or worst thing, uh, look as you said before, gear gear failures can be a pain. Uh, you know, sometimes you you've been uh, unfortunate enough to be stuck with a with a lead instead of a wireless, and you, and you know you you stepping out of your lead and your leads popping out of your out of your guitar or or you you stack it and you break the lead or whatever and uh you know or mic's not working or you know horrible feedback and sometimes you're at the mercy of whoever's doing sound at the venue um which can can really suck and sometimes even the people you know unfortunately you know yeah like all places you'll have a venue that um doesn't you know, doesn't look after bands. They're more interested in making sure that you've got enough people in there more so than nurturing the band. And they can be quite rude and not very accommodating as well. So, um, but look, as far as the crowd experience and people that come along to the gig, I mean, we, I mean, we never really have any bad experiences or we've been quite lucky and we, we always have a really good, a good uh, vibe and good energy there where we're playing. And, you know, if anyone's, anyone gets a little bit, a little bit, too drunk i mean we we sort of take that as a grain of salt and laugh it off if someone like falls over and spills a beer into a fold back as long as it's not our fault back, <laughs> it's okay we haven't we've been lucky enough not to have any of our gear destroyed thankfully and touch wood doesn't happen on this tour coming up but we're look we're pretty we're pretty good with people i mean we we understand that you know people are there to have a good time I and mean, i think the fact that people pay to come in and see us and and you know, make the effort to to change to not do other plans and and make their plans ours and whatnot is is a big thing. So it takes a lot for us to really sort of have a bad experience. So do your support acts like do they affect how you perceive the gig? Like if they go out and they have a really shit gig and they get booed off stage, they get coined or they get bottled, which I don't agree with either of those actions. But if that does happen, does that make you think, oh, we're going to have a really shit show now, thanks a lot? Or does that make you think, well, that's going to make us look he's better now? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, luckily we haven't had anything as extreme as that, but, uh, you know, I mean, you do have you do have bands that you play with, and they'll get off stage and go, "Oh, look, the crowd's just not getting into it. They're they're just dead. They're dead quiet." And you sort of you go, "Oh, great!" You know, you sort of look at each other and roll your eyes and go, "Oh, well, it could be another one of those gigs or whatever." But you sort of, I mean, I think for us, I mean, we really get we love the challenge. We love playing in front of crowds that might take a little bit of work to get into as well. And and if we can win them over, then it just it makes it even sweeter. And I mean, actually, probably a really good. Uh, example would be um, we we played Evil Invaders in Sydney uh, a couple of years ago, and, and Evil Invaders is a little festival that was on 
for a few years straight, and uh, it was it's mainly extreme metal, black death metal, doom, uh, whatnot, and uh, we've uh, known the organizer for quite a few years. He actually is from Brisbane, and um, I either he approached me or I approached him. I can't remember exactly what how it happened, but um, look, we just the 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 opportunity was there to play and we sort of looked at each other and went you know what why not like there's no one else playing who sounds anything like us everything else is extreme metal we may as well just get into it and just and see if we can win the crowd over and it was tough it was tough when we first came out because everyone's sort of going oh here we go it's you know these guys are too melodic for us but um you know we just we turned up a little bit more and we got into it a bit more and just made we put a bit more effort into really try and win people over and end up being a lot of fun uh, just to try and get the crowd over, and, and we end up getting the crowd over as well, which is good. But um, look, uh, the other thing as well, you you see other bands that uh, play before you, and and they'll say, you know, how how much the crowd got into them, you know, and and if you're playing in another town or another city where they're the local band, that can that can be a bit of pressure because you just think, well, they're getting to them because they're the local guys and it's all their mates and their local fans and whatnot. So you sort of think, well, you know, we need really need to do one better. We need to we need to really sort of push it. We need to make sure we can top them. So uh, and we and that just gives us more fuel and more more enthusiasm and motivation to get out there and, and play even harder. Yeah. Um, so it, look, I mean, in the end, we've I mean, you can't afford to to be negatively affected by uh, another band that uh, you know, another band's perception or, or uh, how things are going. You just have to sort of take it as it comes. And if there's a crazy situation that happens, and you sort of need to look at it and look at each other and go, okay, well, how can we spin this in our favour? How can we make how can we make the most out of this? And and we've been lucky to 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 come out alive <laughs> in all in all cases. So uh, yeah, and touch wood, it continues. That's for sure. <laughs> so uh, when when Lord is on tour. Uh, what keeps you going, personally, what keeps you going? Is it a shitload of Red Bull? Is it, uh, like, do you have to take, like, no-dos or stuff like that? Or, like, is it, like, eight pots of coffee every single morning just to get to the next town? Or does it, on the other hand, not affect you at all? Oh, look, I mean, when we do those longer tours where we've got a lot of shows in, uh, in a row and whatnot. I mean, I look. I probably the short answer would be beer and a lot <laughs> of it. <laughs> but uh, but look, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of adrenaline when you're doing it, and I guess when you when you get like down to the you know the thirtieth or fortieth show in a tour, it can it can get a lot of lot harder, and you need to you need to be a bit more careful with how what you do to to keep yourself going, keep yourself as fresh and energized as possible. But um, I mean, luckily, I mean, it's a good and bad thing in Australia. It's a lot harder to do, uh, you know, consecutive weeks out on the road because, you know, obviously distance and, you know, the culture here in Australia is that you don't really go out and see shows during the week unless it's, you know, you're, you're a huge band um, yeah. and people think that they're never going to get a chance to see you again. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just the weekends. So, I mean, for us, I mean, this, this upcoming tour, we're just playing weekends. So... You know, we might do one or two shows in a weekend and, you know, we, there's not a lot, a lot of time there to really sort of get deeply affected by, uh, by you know, fatigue and whatnot. But, um, look, I mean, uh, the, other, the other thing is when we've done those long tours in the past, uh, we've it's just giving yourself a night off or, you know, a night off drinking or something like that or just 
just giving yourself a little bit of time to, you know, not hang around too long after the venue on a particular night and just go back and get that extra couple of hours sleep or something along those lines. Sometimes you don't have a choice and, yeah, the energy drinks kick in. I mean, we try not to drink too much of that because it's – so I'd I'd rather – Scarily enough, I think beer is probably better for you than an energy drink. So, yeah, it takes its toll. <laughs> uh, but and, look, yeah, and look, and like anything, it all catches up. It all catches up. So you gotta, you gotta be really careful. But um, you know, for a lot of those other bands where they, you know, they do like a European tour or whatnot, and they've um, they've got days off and whatnot. A lot of those guys with the day off, they'll, you know, they'll they'll do things just to keep their body in check, whether it's exercise or, or, you know, just sleeping just to catch up on some sleep or eating healthy or making sure that they, they take some, I don't know, vitamins because they can't get a good meal anywhere or, or whatever. I don't know. But, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways, but for us, I mean, we've, we've been pretty lucky over the last few years. I mean, we haven't done anything too, too exhausting uh, when we've been able to sort of keep keep ourselves in check. But, um, you know, it's, it's obviously just pacing yourself with the alcohol. And we, I mean, the good and the bad thing for us is we, we love drinking. We love – it's probably more the social aspect than just getting getting drunk. But, you know, we love, we love chatting and interacting with people. We love hanging around after the show and going to a bar or, you know, speaking to people before the show and whatnot. And, and you know, it can, the drinks can add up before you know it. So it's uh, – it's just it's just keeping yourself in check and keeping everyone in check to make sure that we're all okay and we're not not blowing our our bank accounts or our livers uh, in the process. <laughs> so does partying take its toll, especially on tour, like uh, when you when like you say uh, beer and a lot of it helps sometimes, but like when you have one of those nights and then you have to get in the car and drive from Sydney to Brisbane to do a show, and then you do it again the night after, and then you have to get back in the car the day after that, and then go to, like, Townsville or somewhere to do another show. Does mm-hmm. that take its toll? Like, does it wear you out and make you think, why the hell do I do this? I, Yeah, does it take its toll? Yeah. Oh, look, I think, I think it probably has uh, to a degree because we don't even do that anymore i mean we we fly everywhere these days oh, really? um, unless it's something re yeah unless it's something regional um like sort of like regional new south wales or or if we're playing like a show in melbourne and we do regional dates in victoria um we'll still f- we'll, we'll fly everywhere i mean it's just nowadays with petrol prices and and whatnot it, sometimes it, it works out cheaper in the, in the long run and also time wise just to fly to fly down just less time away from you know you know, earning money elsewhere and, and, you know, Tim in the studio and whatnot. So, but I mean, look, you know, years ago we would drive everywhere that, as you said, and um, that I think with those sort of things where you've got that sort of, those sort of logistics, you need to, you need to be extra careful about, uh, about pacing yourself and keeping yourself in check and, and really sort of, you know, making sure you're well rested and as well as rested as you can be anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think over time for us, it probably did, it probably did take its toll because we don't do it anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's a, also a financial and time reason as well. But yeah, uh, yeah look, I mean, I, I don't think there's been any point. Uh, look, there might have been a couple of shows years ago where we, where we, uh, we played a lot, a lot more consecutively and did a lot of road travel where you, you know, obviously you're in each other's skin, like in each other's boots as far as, you know, personal space and whatnot goes. And, 
and uh, you know things can get a little bit tense at times because people are just sick of hearing the other person say the same joke over and over again or whatever. So, you know, it, it can get it can get a bit tedious. But uh, you know, I mean, that's that's like anything. We always say the running joke is that you know being in a in a band is like. Uh, you know, having three or four other girlfriends without, you know, the the intimacy, you know, it's it's just you have to compromise with pe- you have to compromise with them all when you have to make sure that everyone's happy. You have to take them for their, their good and their bad and and whatnot. And it can be it can be a real it can be a real challenge at times, a real real challenge. But um, now with the flying and and whatnot, it's it's taken a lot of pressure off there. So we're we're out of each other's skin uh, ASAP, which is good. <laughs> On tour, do you uh, do you or any of your members of Lord uh, do you perform pranks on each other to break the monotony, or because you fly everywhere, does that mean you don't have enough time anymore to do that kind of thing? Uh, oh, look, I mean, obviously, time's a little bit more precious because we're not uh, not spending as much time together traveling. But I mean, look, even with uh, with flying and whatnot, I mean, you have to get to the airport a few hours early, and you and you're on the on the plane for an hour or two, and then when you get there, I mean, depending on what time you get in, you got hours before the the shows. So there's a lot of waiting around and and uh, idle time where where you know, I mean, people got to try and fill in their time the best they can. So uh, we. Yeah, I mean, we just, I mean, we're not, I guess we'll try and do funny things, but uh, like just trying to keep the, keep the amusement going and try and keep people's, uh, uh, people's motivation, enthusiasm in check. Because, you know, obviously if you're, if you're sitting around there waiting for, waiting for something to happen, people get quite bored and, and get uh, frustrated. Um, but uh, look, I mean, really, I guess probably the, the, the dumbest thing that we, we do is we just try and think of the most ridiculous photos to take of each other that are just on bloody book or something like that. It's just, <laughs> just silly stuff. So, but um, look, if we, if we end up having people along with us as you know, road crew and whatnot, then we'll usually gang up on them, unfortunately. I and mean, that's just what happens if they come along with us. It'll be, it'll be us versus them. But uh, yeah, or if someone falls asleep somewhere, we'll, 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 we'll make their life hell as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're probably like a lot of other bands as well. I mean, we, 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 we've got a pretty good sense of humour and we love, love taking, taking the piss and, and you know, making, uh, getting up on someone just out of good fun and, and out of boredom as well. So, yeah, it definitely does happen. So, uh, a few years ago, you, uh, you being Lord, headlined the uh, Dime Day Festival, which, for people who don't know what Dime Day is, it's a celebration of Dimebag Daryl's life. From Pantera, who was shot on stage while he was playing with the band Damage Plan, uh, and in Wagga Wagga, every year on the anniversary of his death or the weekend before or after the anniversary, they run a thing called Dime Day, and it's been going for a couple of years now. And uh, Lord, along with Segression, headlined was it two years ago or last year? Uh, uh two years ago. Two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Uh. When you played that, did you play that because you guys are Pantera fans, or did you play that for the hell of it? <laughs> well, I guess I guess it's probably the latter in the way. Like, I mean, not not for the hell of it, but uh, I guess a little bit of background with Wagga is that we played there in two thousand and six. I think that was the first time we ever played in Wagga. Dungeon never played there, and it was a place that. Um, 
a few people asked us to, to go down and we thought, oh, why not? We'll go down there and play. And we had a really good turnout. We, we had a huge turnout and a really great night and a great new. And we just vowed that we would come back. We would always come back. And over the years, it just unfortunately just got progressively worse as far as turnouts go. And either people just thought, oh, well, I won't see him this time around. I'll just wait until next time. And maybe we play there a few, a few too many or too often uh, for people. And so we stopped going there for quite a while. And just because we, every time we went there, the numbers went down and, and uh, we had to lose a little bit of money. So we thought, we'll leave it for for a little while and um, before we go back. But we got approached about... Uh, about Dime Day and and uh, the opportunity was there and we knew that we knew the reputation of, of that event. We knew that um, it's always a great turnout each year and it gets bigger and better every year and whatnot. Um, and they actually let us know what some of the bands. I mean, not that it mattered to us, but um, they they mentioned some of the other bands that were playing on on the, on the day and we, we were absolutely floored. We, we couldn't believe the the lineup was as big as what it was. It just exceeded anything from previous years. Yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely the main thing for us because I mean it was just a great opportunity to go back. We we do love Wagga and we love playing there, um, but we really want an opportunity to go back and play in front of a really good crowd again and and play in front of a lot of people. And we it's there's nothing worse than having to having to put a place off because not enough people are coming on to a show. Um, so it was just a good and it'd been quite a few years since we'd been down there. So it was good. And, and and reconnect with people and see people again and, and play play in a, a great room with a lot of great people and, and have a great night. But um, look, I mean, as far as Pantera goes, we're we're odd Pantera fans in the sense that uh, Mark's probably the biggest Pantera fan out of the lot, and he's he's he likes majority pretty much everything that Pantera's done. Uh, Tim and I. Uh, we're Pantera fans up until probably Cowboys from Hell, and we love all, all the '80s stuff. Um, you know, all the all the really cheesy uh, sort of their glam era and whatnot. But you know, we're huge Cowboys from Hell's fan. Cowboys from Hell fans. So you're um, like we, when there was still hair metal band. Yeah, yeah, but when Cowboys came out, they 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 obviously they got a lot more balls then, and they they really sort of kicked it up a notch. But they they had a bit of that that '80s element still in there a little bit. And um, I mean, we covered we did a Pantera cover, uh, recorded one quite a few years ago for Sh- uh, of Shattered from Cowboys from Hell, and um, that's online somewhere if you can find it. But um, that was just that's that's just an album that we absolutely love. It's just it's just a classic metal album. Yeah. And then I guess the albums after that, we 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 love songs here and there off the albums, but we just I think we just never we didn't follow them much after that. And we yep. we always paid attention little bits and pieces, but we just didn't follow them as much after that. But Mark was always a big fan and, and whatnot, so there was different reasons. But I mean, we there was no denying the the uh, the meaning behind the event and 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 going there and celebrating it all and and getting behind it and showing respect and whatnot and and I think that was it was good to have that opportunity to be a part of that as well and, and we ended up I mean all the because we knew that you know the Pantera's popular era has definitely been sort of Cowboys onwards you know as far yeah. as you know Vulgar and Far Beyond Driven and Tranquil and you know whatnot but. Um, yeah, so a lot of the bands that were playing, as you were seeing, were were playing a lot of the that classic era of Pantera. So yeah. we thought we'd do something a little bit different and do Hard Ride uh, from the eighties. So oh, just so something, it, just something. 
I yeah, was actually going to ask about that. Uh, what was the song you covered? So yeah, you, yeah, you covered of... something from the eighties era. Yeah, yeah. So we were just. Uh, it was something that because we were on. We were doing a lengthy tour with um, Electric Dynamite at the time, and that was the last show of the tour. We didn't get enough time to really get together and rehearse anything, and we we're trying to think of a song that we'd all all liked, and and then. Um, that we had enough time to really sort of run through and um, and Hard Ride's just one that either Tim came up with or someone, or it might have been one of the guys from Electric Dynamite that mentioned it in passing as a joke and we just went, yeah, that's a great song, we'd love to do that. And so so sure enough, we uh, we end up playing that one, which is a pretty easy song to play. But, uh, you know, definitely, you know, we, we still wanted to make sure that we, we acknowledged you know, an era of Pantera and, and acknowledge, you know, the, the meaning behind the events as well. I mean, we weren't just there to play for our own reasons. I mean, part of it, but, uh, but we definitely wanted to be a part of, part of the whole thing on a grander scale. Yeah. For those people who once again, don't know about Dime Day, every single band that plays on the lineup has to cover a Pantera song. That's it. Yeah. That's the rule. That's the only rule. That's the only rule <laughs> but, to play. Yeah. That's it. And uh, the promoter checks with all the bands beforehand to make sure that no one's playing the same song as well. So, so you won't have you won't have uh, you won't have fifteen bands on the day playing Walk, which yeah. is a good thing because you don't want to hear that fifteen the, times. Also, uh, I wanted to go into uh, some of Lord's artwork and talk about the artwork. Because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the cornerstones of metal. When you think of Australian metal art, you think Lord has the best. And like it also stems from Dungeon. But uh, who designed it? Do you outsource it to a different artist every time? Or is it the same artist every single album that you do? Uh with with Lord, we've always used the same guy uh, who's uh, a guy from Colombia, and um, he's he's done a lot of artwork for a lot of great uh, big sort of European and American bands. He's done stuff for for Blind Guardian, Ice Earth, Gamma Ray, Rhapsody, um, a whole bunch of Iron Savior, I think as well. Um, so he's really he's and he he does. Uh, does contract work for uh, like nuclear blasts as well, various little art things that they that they ask for. So he's he's well rounded, well connected, and he's got a good reputation. So we've always used him um, up until uh, the Digital Eyes album. That was the last one he did, and um, we haven't made a decision because we we haven't worked out the the new album yet when we're going to do that. But um, when we do, we might look out and see what other, what other options are out there and, and who, what other artists and see if we can go in a slightly different direction, not change it too much and not, not go, not be ridiculous about it, but um, just to just to make the next album a little bit more fresh and come from a different angle. Um, because the only, the only thing that we had, we had a lot of trouble with the artists only in, in terms of uh, time and trying to get, trying to get artwork back from him because he's quite busy and was very very busy guy and and you know to try and meet deadlines it got quite stressful so we might we'll see how we go i mean it's, it's still quite a while away before we do the next album but uh we're, we're definitely going to keep our eyes a little bit more open for for the next one and see uh see what's out there but we want to keep in the theme of what we've done in the, over the last few years and and uh and keep keep that fluid motion going um so we don't want to we don't we're not going to start uh, 
releasing some anime pink bloody cover or anything like that for the for the next one. It'll still be it'll still be something that people expect from us and still the same quality that people expect from us as well. And I appreciate what you said as well. I mean it it means a lot to 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 hear that from from people that um, the people are really sort of connecting with you know with the artwork and and and, uh, and we're getting getting uh, positive responses from it. It's great. Yeah. So uh, what does the future yeah. hold for Lord? Uh, uh, you've touched on it a few times. I know Digital Lies only came out last year, but is there a new album in the future? At the moment, we're, we, we're going through a drummer search at the moment, so we're trying to find a new drummer. Oh, so Damien... Uh, has Damien left? Yeah, Damien's gone. Damien left. Yeah, so he left uh, at the start of the year. So okay. we've um, and that's just due to uh, personal and work work reasons. But like you know, obviously you know we, he's still a great friend and whatnot. He just he he physically couldn't keep up with what we're doing and, and his quality of life was going was sort of going down the the shitter a bit. So he he needed to get get his life back on track a little bit, which is fair enough. And we don't yeah. want someone to to wait in a band and not be happy either. So he's um. He's moved on. He's he's doing bigger and better things, and uh, we've got Simon from a, another Wollongong band called Trollholden, uh, who's uh, filling. He filled in with us in September last year in Asia, and he's filling in with us uh, next month as well. But uh, look, we're yeah, we're doing a drummer search at the moment, which is look, it's, it's it definitely makes it hard because you it puts all the all the plans on the back burner until you've got that new person. Um, you know, we want to do more touring and and push push digitalize it more before the next album. But you know, everything's sort of on hold until we find the right person, and we don't want to we don't want to push it too much by getting the wrong person in. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, the short term plans at the moment is to to do this next tour, which is a bit of a fundraiser um, to raise money for a recording project that we're doing at the moment. Where we've um, can't say too much about it at the moment, but we'll probably announce something in June about what we're doing. But uh, it's 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 linked in with Dungeon and it's a bit of a uh, celebration of the 25 years uh, oh. this year and we want to do something special for everyone as well. So we're working hard on that, but it's quite costly. So we thought, well, let's go out and do a few shows and uh, and raise a bit of money, a bit of money for that just to to get it all happening. So that'll keep us busy for uh, for the majority of the year until later in the year. If we get the new a new guy in, then we'll we'll do another run of shows later in the year. Um, and then, depending on where we're at and how people are going writing individually, we'll we'll look at um, putting together a, a new album probably or next year, and hopefully have it. Look, if everything goes to plan, we might have it out next year. Uh, but we've we've sort of had a bit of a, a game plan of where we want to be in the next couple of years. But um, it all comes down to the things now and finding people and making sure it all all falls in place. But uh, it's never it's never quiet on our end. Even when we're playing shows, we're we're always busting our balls to try and <laughs> make it all work and make everything fall together. Just a couple more questions left for you. Uh, do you have any social media plugs like the Facebook for the band, your personal or band Twitter, uh, the band website? Or anything else I'm uh, forgetting about? Do you have any plugs? Uh, yeah, we've got heaps of websites. So I guess the main one is uh, lord.net.au. Um, if you remember that one, then you're fine for everything else because we've got all our links to our social media through that website. However, uh, the only other thing you, you should remember is Lord Official. 
So uh, we've got facebook.com slash lordofficial, uh, youtube.com slash user slash lordofficial, uh, twitter.com slash lordofficial, et cetera, et cetera. So there's heaps of, uh, heaps of platforms out there to check us out. Uh, we've got some blogs, but they're all through our main website, law.net.au. So um, every once in a while we'll get up there and have a read about something or other. But um, if you can remember the main, main website, then, uh, then you're laughing. Yeah. Uh, the final question is the same question that I asked you last week. Uh, multiple choice. Uh, it's A, you get to ask me a question. B, B asks a really strange or weird question. Uh, or C, give me the quote mm-hmm. of the week for next week's show. Last week, you picked B. Okay. Uh, I reckon the quote for next week's show, and this might not make a lot of sense for a lot of people, but... I've been saying it all day today, is uh, Mark Furtner's all mate. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. So um, there's, a, there's, there's a bit of a joke behind that, but I guess just to explain it, what we do on Facebook is uh, each day we post a picture of uh, some really odd-looking person uh, on each other's wall and just say that they're, they're your mate, that's your mate. And um, I've got something special planned for the upcoming tour where I'm going to make uh, VIP passes for everyone that comes in the door. And it's going to have a picture of Mark Furtner on there and it's going to say your mate on it, which he doesn't know about yet. So, so hopefully uh, this uh, this podcast won't be up until he's already seen them. Yeah. But, uh, that's, my, that's my quote, I should say. Quote for next week. <laughs> okay. I like it. Okay, well, this has been uh, Andy Dowling from Lord on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. And, uh, yeah, we we had fun over the last two weeks talking with each other. And uh, through all the, uh, the uh, how, what would you, how would you put it? The uh, shit to get it done, pretty much. Because there was a lot of shit to get this done, <laughs> and this interview done. Uh, yeah, it's very good sit down interview and, uh, we hope to someday have you back on the show. Oh, for sure. Uh, and look, it, it was a bit of a challenge to, to get us both in line and, and, uh, try and get, get a chat happening, but I mean, it was well worth it and it was great to, great to speak with you. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing it again. Alrighty. So, uh, we're in the interview there and, uh, see you later. See you, man. I do believe this is our longest show to date. Uh, that was the second interview with and last interview with Andy Dowling of Lord, the bass player from Lord. Uh, hopefully, hopefully next week we have the second interview with uh, Dan Silk of Red Bee. Speaking of Red Bee, I said I was going to review the night. The show, Sidonia Helmet Red B at the basement, and uh, we're running out of time. But I figure I'll do do it. My review was going to be longer, but I did promise that I was going to put it in this show. The night opened with uh, locals Tun Tundral. They were solid. It was first time I'd ever heard them. First time I'd ever seen them. Obviously, I've never heard them. I've never seen them. Uh, the lead singer had a pretty epic beard. But uh, one of the standpoints for me with that band was their lead singer. His voice was amazing. 
It had the tonal quality of Chino from Deftones, but the power of like Maynard from Tool. It was so eclectic. Uh but uh they played a six song set. Uh on I think it was a half hour set. They started later in the night, but uh yeah, on their face on the events Facebook page it said uh eight o'clock start and uh the show started at ten. So two hours late. Anyway, uh, I should have expected that, because, yeah. Uh, after that was the Mighty Red Bee. Uh, for me, it was the uh, the Band of the Night. Not after Tundra, I mean, not, yeah, whatever. Uh, that were the Band of the Night, easily. Uh, not, well, not quite easily. Helm were awesome. Sidonia... Sidonia, by the time they played, there was... Oh, we'll get into that in a bit. But, uh... They they didn't really seem into the show very much. And I know why. Like, it was easy to see why as a person sitting there. Uh, trying to take it all in. But Red Bee... Red Bee were, like, running from the get-go. Literally. Song started... First song started, and... Boom! All of a sudden, Dan and Jim are just running everywhere, but, uh, yeah, a uh, little insider thing, I was front row to them, and a, uh, bottle fell on the stage, a bottle of water, unopened, and then Jim just seen it, and he knew that if Dan hit it, Dan was going on, it's over, um, he, everybody in the front row saw it, and we all tried to grab at it, we couldn't get it. sorry, uh, Jim ended up moving it for us, but that was good for him. I should say that was good. Uh, but they uh, they played the entire set from memory. So they didn't give me a set list. Or they couldn't give me a set list. Uh, I know they played Roadkill. I know they played Angelos. Because they dedicated Angelos to me. Uh, what else did they play? Well, they pretty much... Oh, they played a new song. Yeah, because uh, if you listen to our first interview with Dan, you would know that uh, they have plans of recording a new album. Now, on our second interview, we go into a lot more detail about that. Uh, but uh, after Red Bee, after Mighty Red Bee finished, uh, Helm came on. First time I'd ever seen Helm. Uh, I've heard of Helm. I've heard Helm, the first time I've ever seen Helm. Uh, and at the end of the night, like, I walked out, introduced myself, started talking. They gave me a free CD, but that's not a part of the review. Uh, they had a uh, eight songs, seven songs, because they didn't play Your Shadow. Uh, but they played most of the new album. Uh most of the songs were from the new album, except for maybe two, but songs weren't from the new album. Uh, they were awesome, but uh, they've got three guitarists, well, two main guitarists, the lead singer who plays guitar over the top sometimes. But uh, yeah, uh, they were a bit 
uh, reprehensive, I think, or, no, that's not the word, they were a bit annoyed, I think, at the fact that everybody fucked off before the set started, and there was hardly anyone watching them, and fairly, fair enough, too, I mean, like, seriously, these guys are on tour, mind you, it was a Thursday night at the basement in Balcon, and, but, uh, at least they have more people than Sidonia. Uh, and polishing off the night was Sidonia. First time I'd seen them in six years. Uh, they were tight, as tight now as they were back then. Uh, they had a, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten songs set. And I think they, uh, they might have cut it short, I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, by the end of it, they, at the start of it, they were playing, like, the crowd was, like, a million people. By the end of it, I think they were tired, they knew everybody was tired, and they just wanted to get out of there. And, uh, yeah, they played most of their, uh, well, I can't really say hits, per se, but they played all their hits, per se, per se. I love that word, per se. But uh, a review, a proper review of the show. Uh, all up, Red B with the band of the night easily. Uh, surprisingly followed by Tundral. I didn't mind Tundral, mainly because I was enamored by their singer. But uh, yeah, all up, I give it maybe a. The show itself, I give it a 3 out of 5. 2 stars because of red... Actually, no. Sorry. three, four out of 5. 3.5 out of 5, maybe. Uh, because of Red B and Dundrel and Helm. Played well. Actually, no. I give it a solid 4 out of 5. Because they all played well. It was just the crowd that wasn't there. So, my official... Score is 4 out of 5 stars. Or 4 out of 5 horns. However you want to put it. Anyway. Uh, that's the end of the show for this week. It's the longest show we've had yet. I think. 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 Um, now on next week's show. Hopefully the Dan Silk interview. Part 2 of the Dan Silk interview. I'm going to review my favourite Aussie metal album. Which is Frankenbock, The End of All You Know. Uh, or is it Deprivation of Malcolm? Or is it King Parrot Cut Your Head Off? Or, oh shit, is it Law of Digital Lies? Oh shit, we have contenders. Oh shit. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to review AC next week. I'll figure out which one is my favorite in this week, during this week. Uh, next week, we draw the winner to the Ictus Deluxe Edition. Red B Ictus Deluxe Edition. Remember, to enter that, go to email me at fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. Uh, in the subject line, put Red B Comp or Red B Competition, something to that effect. In the uh, composition area, put your name, the word answer, 
And below that, put the answer to this question. Where are red bee from? I give you a clue. I said it at the start of this show. And starts with K. And one person got it wrong. They said left go. Although, Blue Mountains is acceptable. <laughs> there you go. I gave you another answer. Alrighty, so uh, until next week, I'm Tom Roberts. I love you. Bye.